you stop arguing? We gotta go. No, we don't need to go anywhere. Tysan, you haven't been listening. The antidote? Right. And this is a real thing. Where did you get that? I made it. But how? That's my secret. And that's how it's going to stay. Welcome to Series 2, Episode 4 of Conversation on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. And Carlin. Hello. With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 2, Episode 4, the screenplay was done by Joe Boyle. It was directed by Costa Boats, and the episode synopsis will be read out by myself. Tysan reveals her knowledge of the antidote formula, but is keeping the information secret from the rest of the tribe as a sensible precaution or a play for power. Lex and Ebony make new allies in their own bid for control of the antidote, but their partnership with each other remains shaky. Meanwhile, Bob is in danger and Alice is on the warpath. Let's jump straight into Tysan. Um, fearing the return of the mob, the Mormorats reluctantly prepare to flee their home. However, it's at this moment that Tysan magically appears and claims to have made the antidote. Arguing that few people who know about the formula, the safer they all are, Tysan refuses to reveal it to anyone else. And Lex makes the remark that this effectively makes them all her bodyguards, while Brain Danny discuss the power she now has and hope that they won't have to keep her sweet. So, panel, we have talked about Tysan's possible motives in previous podcasts, but what is your stance now? Do you really think she's only thinking about herself? Or is she thinking about the more at safety? Is it a play for power? What's your thoughts now? She's liking the power. I still think that's what it is. Main, or at least that's mainly what it is. I mean, yes, she has a point that if not everyone knows it, they can't be forced to share it. But she likes being in control. She likes to having one over on everyone else. And yeah, Lex has a point. This makes her all her bodyguards. They have to do what she wants. Yeah, I, I think she was after that for a long time. I don't deny that Tyson likes having the control because, well, basically everybody likes having control. Um, it's really just a question of what we do with the control once we have it. And I think that's something season two is really great about exploring. Um, you know how people say power corrupts? Well, I don't really believe that's true. I think power reveals and how we talked about how when you give someone the power to do whatever they've always wanted to, you find out what it is they've always wanted to do. So Tyson definitely enjoys having control over how mm -hmm. the antidote is handled. She likes being the one calling the shots and saying, no, you won't use this for profit. You will not use it for leverage. You will not use it to uh, give yourself an advantage. So she definitely loves having the power to decide that for everyone because she believes that's the way this should be used. Don't deny that at all. But I do think it's important to remember what she does do with the power. She doesn't let it corrupt her. She never does use the antidote formula as a way to enrich herself or better herself or uh, get any advantages for herself and she even fights against anybody in her tribe who tries to do that um, But I mean, I don't deny that this is a red flag You know if you were watching this and you didn't know what her motives were you'd be like great 
Um, but I don't exactly feel bad for everybody else because they're just mad she managed to snag the power before they did. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, but I think it's awesome to see Tizan go full out superhero villain mode uh, right now because she is completely enjoying this. When I first saw it, I didn't think it was necessarily a smart play because right when she said only I can know the formula, I was like, wait, what? Well, what if something happens to you? <laughs> so, yeah, it's clearly a power play here. Um, I'm sure everyone else is just mad because they didn't think of it first. But I was I was a little enraged that Tizen would would do this. Um, yeah, she was off my 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 friends list when I saw this. <laughs> I just think it's funny that the people who are complaining the most about Tizen having this power are the people who want to use it for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Like Lex and Ebony are furious about this, but I mean, we—they're not even hiding the fact that what they would do with the power is clearly just for themselves. Um, Lex calling Tyson out—it just again points out his hypocrisy. You know, he's just mad that she got to it first because he would be doing the exact same thing, if not worse, and Ebony too. So um, I do think that's fun. And that the people who are the least interested in power are the ones the least bothered by Tyson having it. You know, they have reasonable concern, like Bray and Danny. I like what Bray says, like, if anyone's going to have it, she's probably the best person in this tribe to have it. And having people Mm -hmm. like Ryan saying, I don't even want to know because he's not interested in power. I don't care about having that kind of control. Um, But Danny's more concerned because she does want that kind of control for her own reasons. Again, doesn't because you're evil or anything, but because she too, like Tysan, has her idea of how this should be used and how it should be used to fix the world. And um, it's a very good discussion. And it's just like, oh crap, Tysan beat us to it. Now, <laughs> now, now we have to follow her and hope that she doesn't like, you know, go Super Saiyan on us. Yeah, if I had to choose between Tysan or... Danny to have control I would rather have it be Danny it must be terrifying um, especially since up until now where Tysan stands on things has always been wishy-washy we've we've talked about that like her belief mm-hmm. system is very how many hats do you have Tysan which one are you wearing today um, and again mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not dissing Tysan I believe her beliefs are genuine for her just that she's not consistent as to which one she's following at any given time. So that's going to be really terrifying for some of the kids who they don't think Tysan's a bad person and that she'd do anything bad, but because you don't really know what Tysan wants and now she's got the power to do basically anything she wants, it's got to be very uneasy because you're not really sure what Tysan wants. Like if Ty, if, if, if Lex got the power, you would know what he was going to do with it because you know what Lex wants with power. Same with Ebony or Bray. So you would feel, okay, at least I know where I stand. But with someone like Tyson, you really don't know. You just kind of have to wait and see because you have no idea what it is Tyson wants. So what is she going to do with this? Mm. Yeah, she's a wild card. Yeah, definitely for these guys. If I think about it, about the fact that Bray just said that at least Tyson has the power, she's the one who best have it. It reminds me of something Tysan said to Amber in the uh, first season with her power corrupts uh, speech to her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just keep thinking maybe Tysan thought 
that she was the only one capable of having such power without it corrupting herself. Which is definitely her ego and her hubris. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but she's not the only person who feels this way. I mean, everybody who takes control of the city believes in their own twisted mind, including our mall rats, that what they want for everybody is best for everybody. Even mm -hmm. Guardian believes that. Mega, Ram, the mall rats, all of them mm -hmm. believe that what they want for everyone will help everyone in the way they think they should be helped. You know, so it's like Tyson's certainly not the only one guilty of that. Everybody is. And that's the exploration of season two, exploring this idea of regardless of how um, genuine or altruistic your motives might be, it doesn't matter. You know, control is a whole different thing. Having power is a whole different thing. And it doesn't matter how benevolent a ruler you might be you know the trouble you're going to have trying to be in control of people and tell them what to do and make choices for everyone nobody can actually handle that no matter how hard they try or how good their intentions might be um circling back to what you mentioned liz about how you don't believe that power corrupts but it just reveals what the true, true nature of a person is I do you think this power is something that Tyson has always wanted? Because um, she seemed to have kind of shied away from the positions of power in season one. But what do you think now? I don't think Tyson wants power in the traditional sense. Tyson is not the kind of person who wants to make rules for people. But I do think that Tyson wants control in the same way anybody might want control over something that's important to them, like whether it's the control to choose what you do with your life. Um, it might be financial control. Uh, and for Tyson, I think her, she has always wanted the power to make people see the world through her eyes. And just because she really believes that her way of living is the best for everyone. And we have seen her try to influence people and even take advantage of circumstances where she could influence them to think the way she does. Not maliciously, but I mean, hello, she sends Lex on a vision quest to cure himself of the virus because she truly believes that will do it. You know, she doesn't even think mm -hmm. for a second that maybe he could, it might kill him or something. It might be too dangerous for him. She tells him, don't take the antidote. She, I do think, again, I'm not saying Tyson's a terrible person or worse than anybody else. Just that I think, yeah, she's always wanted the power to make people understand her vision of the world. You know, that's why she fights with Amber, because their vision of power is completely different. What they want for the world is different. That's why she continues to fight with Danny. Tyson has a vision of the world and the way people should live. And of course, she's going to jump at the chance to finally be able to use something to get people to do it her way. Mm -hmm. Again, it's just not power in the traditional sense, I think. I mean, we say that, but at the same time, like we, we do see her in like pushing her power over people like like relationships like with Lex and we see you later on with Danny like I don't know it's a funny one I, I feel mean saying this I I, I don't f actually feel anymore that Ty Sam believes her own beliefs if that makes sense mm -hmm. I, it does I, yeah I, I don't think she truly believes what she herself says and sets out 
which obviously makes her infuriating, but <laughs> quite good to watch at the same time. Yeah, that's why I said like in season one, like you see Tysan, her her belief structure is constantly contradicting itself. And I get to the point where it's like, I believe you believe in something, Tysan, but I don't know what you actually believe because it's mm -hmm. constantly changing or fluctuating to suit your current needs. You know, um, she's like, she seems like a child playing with grown up concepts, but she doesn't quite understand how they work. And so she can be very preachy about these things. But I mean, we've caught her in contradictions constantly, you know, and so I completely understand what you're feeling, Lance, because it's just like, what does Tysan believe? I don't know. I don't know what this girl believes. So it's really hard to know if she even believes in what she believes. Because <laughs> it's like, what is your belief? I have no idea. Yeah, that's interesting. So I have, a, I have a theory that's not really a theory. But I'm thinking maybe Tysan really gets off on just manipulating people. Seeing what people believe in and then just going, trying to make them feel the opposite about that i really do think that she she thrives on that and i feel like that's just what she does wherever she meets i agree but i can't say that there isn't an argument for that you know because there are things that she's done that could definitely be interpreted that way absolutely i guess just from my point of view i feel like it's more if tyson sees an opportunity to, to manipulate someone into believing what she believes whatever mm -hmm. it might be you know then that she'll definitely take that but at the same time, she's also shown that she's kind of a, okay, this is what you believe, but I don't believe in that, and that's fine. Um, but um, I don't know if she enjoys being manipulative. I think she enjoys, in the same way any of us would, getting someone to change their mind and agree with us. I think we all enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you're seeing things my way. Yes, it just confirms that I'm right, and my view of the world is right, and that feels good for anyone. I mean, she definitely... That smile she has when she realizes that, like, she's got Lex in a pickle. Like, he comes to her once yes. again, thinking, mm -hmm. and she's like, no, if you want to be with me, it's going to be on my terms. And she definitely is enjoying that, like, mm -hmm. having that kind of power over him. I was going to bring it up next, next year. Um, <laughs> that smile says it all, like... <laughs> 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 her conversation reflects when she, she i mean she's always had that effect on lex but when just reveling in the fact that she has all the power and she can just play him however she likes she mm -hmm. she enjoys that <laughs> she does it's fun to see though it is it's nice to see lex get um, put, put down but <laughs> here he is to create lex but i want to clear that i'm not defending any of tysan's actions like i don't think what she's doing is right um but I, I just think I, I get it, and I don't think she's any worse than anyone else. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> what I, she's I, doing I, to Lex, though. <laughs> oh yeah, that's fine. Like, <laughs> like he totally deserves that. <laughs> I mean, that was just fun to watch. But anybody who hates her, I'm like, oh, I can't argue with you for that. <laughs> her action is going to be very upsetting. Mm -hmm. Worst thing at leaving without me, will you? No such luck. Are you sure you're up to this? I'm getting better by the minute. I sounded like it's great stuff. Once we're out of the city, I don't want to set eyes on you again. Gee. Thanks, Bray. I love you too. Um, yes, speaking of Lex, um, what did you make of the beginning scene? Because um, during the evacuation preparations, Bray made it really clear that he wants nothing more to do with Lex once the group were safely out of the city. And none of the other Morats seem to disagree with this sentiment. Do you think at that point everyone has simply had enough of Lex? Or like, what did you feel about that scene? 
Lex had just taken away what they thought was their last chance at figuring out what was in the antidote and how to make more. Mm -hmm. Of course they were annoyed with him. It was such a Lex thing to do, to put himself above everybody else. And it's, you guys, these guys have spent an entire season with Lex doing that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're just sick of it. They're just like, whatever, you know? Every time you kind of act like you're making progress and maybe you care about the group, you pull some stunt like this. Now we all have to leave our home because of you. So I completely understand that, not caring. Like, yeah, we don't yeah. want to see you either. For, from their point of view, he destroyed the options and he turned them up fully against them with Casey's lovely idea. Right. Yeah, it seems like a little bit of a case of uh, Lex being misunderstood by the tribe again. I mean, yeah, it was totally like a, a jerkish thing to do what Lex did, taking that antidote. But I completely understand it. And I, I'm not going to judge too harshly on it because who knows what anyone would have done in that situation. If you knew if, you know, oh, we need second doses, we, you know, this and that. And yeah, he isn't you know, even he wasn't even showing real signs. Yeah, but but still, we don't know. Technically, we don't know if the second. uh uh, what, what would you call it? The second sign of it is just not showing any signs. You know? Like what? Yeah, but neither does Lex. No, but still, as a human being, no one knows your body as well as you do. And if you feel like something is wrong and you feel like that virus is coming back again, then I guess that's what it is. You, you know, you can't give that to Lex. Like, he was looking at his hands saying, oh, I think they're wrinkly. Oh, yeah, I've got it again. He, he showed no other physical signs that he had the virus. He wasn't aged he wasn't breathing difficult he wasn't like moving difficult like you, you can't just say oh i need it right now he, he could have waited there was no no reason why he had to have it right then and there and it was so obvious the first time he got it you know it was clear to everyone who saw him that he had the virus mm. like yeah even if we don't know how the second infection would um, appear like there was no no reason why he had to have it then and there none none, none at all apart from selfishness I can't defend Lex's actions and it won't. I can understand his actions. Like Carlin said, I get why he did what he did. Doesn't make it right. Still totally selfish. There was no reason for him to do that when he did that. There was no reason he couldn't have waited a couple of days. He knew how long it took the virus to take its course the first time better than anybody. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not like he needed to take that dose right then and there. I agree. There's no physical evidence that he's even sick. Um, it could be Lex simply panicking for all we know, because mm -hmm. um, we do not get any confirmation that Lex is sick, just that Lex is saying he's sick. I understand Lex's actions. I do not defend his actions. But at the same time, I still blame Bray and Danny for getting themselves into this situation. You know, they put themselves in a situation where they literally had four ounces of this stuff left because they didn't think about what could happen in the future. And then they're shocked that Lex would do this. You know, it's like you guys didn't even care about thinking ahead of what would happen if you ran out of this and if you needed more. They completely ignored it. Yes, under the guise of doing good for the world. And then they were shocked when things went pear-shaped. And it's like maybe if you would put a little more thought into this quest to save the world, you wouldn't have found yourself in this situation. Why wouldn't Lex think that you were leaving him to die? Mm. Everybody's wrong here. Everybody. You know, Lex's motivations, though, were selfish compared to Bray or Danny's, which were not selfish. They were just foolish, you know? 
So yeah, to me, I'm just like, everyone's wrong. I can't defend Lex's actions. I understand them, but he's not the only idiot in this <laughs> menagerie. <laughs> yeah, the small, is, the small is full of idiots. And also, this kind of shows in full force how amazing Lex's survival skills are. I don't know what it is. He just has like this crazy in intuition and things like I know that I should probably just take this antidote, even though everyone else is against it. Because he didn't know that um, Tysan was just batching up some more at that time. He didn't know all these other uh, circumstances, but his survival instincts are pretty amazing in that regard. It's really sad about it. Um, now, we've talked about Lex's heart and the fact he does have one. He does have a moral code. It is spotty, but he has one. And when he chooses to be loyal to people, it is there, you know? And I think it's really sad that we get to see Lex making an unselfish decision on the mountain to do what's best for Zandra and their child. And it's like when Zandra went, any potential for his goodness went right with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he falls right back to this place, which is definitely makes sense. You would fall back into despair and you would fall back on your own survival instincts. He had hoped for better and better didn't happen. Instead, he got the worst. So why try? And so, of course, Lex falls right back into this destructive pattern of behavior, screwing over the people that he still has left in his life, you know, because he's just given up, you know, because he's he's grieving and going through this really awful uh, situation. I just think that's kind of sad seeing him backpedal so hard like that. Hmm. Here's a question that I just now thought of that from what you just said, Liz. You think maybe Bray maybe would have... Um done something a little bit selfish like this if Danny wasn't there to kind of be that replacement for him? Because they were both going through the same type of loss. Well, they deal with their... Bray and, you know, Lex deal with their trauma differently. You know, Lex doesn't mm -hmm. know what to do with himself except follow whatever the group is doing, you know? And Bray has better coping mechanisms. Not great ones, but better. He just throws himself into a project, a productive project, and just puts you know amber on a pedestal and i'm just going to follow your shining light without mm -hmm. thinking things through so i'm not saying his are any better but they're not selfishly motivated i can't see bray doing something like this because he just doesn't cope with things the same way lex does he'll do stuff that's stupid we've seen that in in the future especially we'll see bray cope dumbly with things but mm -hmm. not in the same selfish vein as lex because they're different people so mm -hmm. you know doesn't make one better than the other but it, it definitely distinguishes them yeah definitely i mean think about it if if danny had turned out not to be a sincere person who actually cares about the world and wants to make it better imagine if she really was someone who just wanted to get her hands on the antidote bray is trusting a person he legit just met someone mm -hmm. who threatened his life he told her everything about his tribe everything about their goals is that a smart decision? Would any of us say that's a smart one? He's lucky that Danny turned out to be a good person. He's being dumb. This is really stupid because he has no reason to trust her the way he does. And he's throwing all of his power into a stranger's hands. So I can't say that Bray is being any smarter about dealing with his grief than Lex is. He's just fortunate. Uh, could you just imagine, though, if it hadn't been Danny he met, but someone with Moz's personality? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I would have loved that. I would have loved seeing Moz in season two. Both Bray and Lax are incredibly emotionally vulnerable right now. Everybody in the tribe is, really, mm -hmm. you know? 
They're all just trying to cope with their pain and trying to focus on something else and just move forward, you know? And so, no, he's, he's, he's in a perfect position to be taken advantage of. He's just lucky that he found Danny. <laughs> of all people. Of all people. <laughs> <laughs> of all people, <laughs> uh, I mean, we'll come back to this in a bit because obviously we'll we'll mention how much they stick Bray and Danny together. But um, moving on a little bit um, <laughs> on the subject of being emotionally vulnerable, let's switch to Trudy because um, <laughs> it does feel in this episode that she, her progress reverts quite badly. Because we see her like going back to her old ways of stomping off when she sees Bray and Danny walking together, um, and telling Brady that it's just the two of them again and they don't have to worry about any, anyone else, and just refusing to help generally. Um, yeah, what, what did you make of just her general attitude in this episode? I blame the writers. Mm-hmm. This is just a product yeah. of bad writing. They didn't know, like I said, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I have a feeling that um, Antonia wasn't available for all the shots they were going to need. And so they just gave her this really petty, I don't know why they gave her the storyline because they couldn't use her. And so they were like, well, I guess she's just pouting. I, I don't think that is something Trudy would have naturally returned to, especially after everything we've seen her do in season one. Mm-hmm. It's just Trudy getting screwed by the writers again because they don't know what to do with her character. They're like, oh, we have plans for you, but not yet. So we'll just have you do this. It's super easy to just say that you're in a fit and there's no reason given for it whatsoever. Yeah, because we're, we're, they were almost showing her in a way that we could say she was just mad about Bray moving on from Amber and her legacy. It's, in this one, there's no way to defend it that way. And I hate that. They don't give Trudy a reason. No. Mm. She's just suddenly sulking again like, well, like when Brady was first born. Like if they really wanted us to believe that Trudy's behaving this way because either she's jealous of Danny and Bray or because she's upset with Bray for just moving on from Amber so quickly, which again, totally fair, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially since Trudy championed Ramber. And so for Bray to behaving this way, she would have the right to be upset about it. But they don't do that. They don't explore why Trudy feels the way she does. So to me, it just it's lazy writing because they didn't have Antonia. Yeah. For me personally, I think it's a little too easy to blame the writers. Although we can we can blame the writers. Usually what I like to do when when Trudy is displaying some type of emotion that's just uncalled for for any reason. I like to think that she's in some type of blissful rage and it's her Trudy the Moody state that's like coming out. There's so, no plastic knife, so so no rage. No. Yeah, there's no better knife here. But uh, it's always great to see uh, Trudy the Moody in whatever whatever form <laughs> the writers want to give it give it to us. No, I blame the writers. Why <laughs> 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 more reason for it. It, it? it doesn't follow her natural progression. Um I mean, we'll see this again, like, obviously later on in the books. It's just nonsense thrown in. Um, yeah, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I don't believe it. I don't believe this is what she naturally would do. She was absolutely, like, defending Amber's, like, memory and legacy in episode one. And all of a sudden, oh, it's just back to, oh, moping about Bray. It's just mm-hmm. unfounded. And I don't believe it. Yeah. I, right, it's a writer's problem. It's not, it's not the character. It's the actually writer's. <laughs> Mm. I, I could have imagined her doing that if it had been Ebony and Bray together. 
you know, in that case, I could have maybe gotten why she would be this moody just because of the history, the three of them. No, in this case, it's it's just bad writing. Sorry, but that's all I can make of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to make Trudy moody, that's fine. There's plenty of, you know, she's shown that she can be that way when something hits her really hard. So it's not like you couldn't do this well. It's not like Trudy doesn't have a good reason for being upset, but you have to give us the reason. Mm-hmm. You have to show us the reason. You can't just have her sulking in her room and think that that explains what's going on with her character. Right. You know, you, it doesn't work. It, it's, again, bad writing. If you want me to believe that Trudy is either jealous because she's her unrequited feelings for Bray or she's concerned for Bray, then you need to show that. You don't get to just use stock footage of her pouting because <laughs> I'm just like, I know, I write, I know what's happening here. You weren't able to get pickup shots with Antonia for whatever reason and you didn't have time to figure out what else Trudy might be doing right now. And I don't know why they chose to make her sulky. They could have had Trudy just being preoccupied with her own daughter. That would have been good enough. They don't have to crap on her character this way. That they just do over and over again whenever they don't know what to do with mm-hmm. her. She deserves better. You know what it is? You know what it is? I, you know, I just thought of it. I, I believe that after season one happened, I think the characters were so amazingly written to the point where these characters can just write themselves if you just put them in any situation and just see how they fold. I think that the writers, whenever they're stuck on something and whenever they're lazy and they don't want to properly develop somebody, they're like, oh, well, what would season one of such and such do in this situation? I'm still thinking about the why. Because, you know, if it would have made sense if she was completely overwhelmed with all the changes. Oh, we're leaving. No, we're not leaving. Oh, we're going to pick plants. Oh, no, you don't have to help here. You don't have to do this. You know, I could get her being overwhelmed, but this movie about Bray, nope, I just don't buy it. Why couldn't they just let Trudy be grieving? She yeah. lost her best friend. Mm-hmm. Bray and Lex aren't the only people who lost amber and sandra everybody else lost them too yeah. so why why couldn't you just have trudy mourning her best friend i mean and i can't imagine losing my bestie okay and literally seeing their partner hanging out with their replacement immediately after trust me even if it's not immediately it oh does not go down well that would send me into a friggin spiral if amber was my best friend and she died horribly and then i had to meet danny there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with Danny, but she, it would hurt. It would bring yeah. up that trauma again. They could have just done that. They could have just had Trudy be like, I can't deal with anyone right now. I'm in pain. I, I lost one of my emotional crutches, you know, and she's gone and she's not coming back. And here's this person masquerading as her, you know, and this hurts. I need to be alone. Nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Even her boyfriend doesn't seem to care that she's gone. And <laughs> mm-hmm. That would have worked, you know? Yeah. And I get her if she was mad and snarky. You know, that would have made total sense. It, just this whiny way she has now. No, it's just like a toddler. It doesn't fit. It does such a disservice to what progress she made in season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trudy proved to us that this is not who she is on a normal basis. So to kick her in the teeth and just be like, ah, this is your default state. It's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. 
And considering all the work these writers are clearly doing in season two, and they deserve a lot of praise for it, they could have handled this better. And they just didn't. And again, I feel like they were up against the wall. Antonio wasn't there. They had to come up with something quick. And they took this lazy route. Because they already had footage of her sulking. So, like, you have footage of her crying, too. You could have used that. <laughs> like, Antonio, we just need to do some ADR of, you know, Trudy Morning Amber or something. You know, it's, I, I just, you could have handled this better, guys. Yeah, it's just... Uh... It's ultimately just a sledgehammer way to show that Bray's available and we need to get all the pieces quickly into place to show <laughs> who could be, who could they be the next Amber? And it's really badly done because, mm-hmm. yeah, we have Trudy thrusted into the limelight. We have obviously what's happening with Celine. We have Danny. We have Ebony. It's just like, yeah, who could be the next partner for Bray? And it's just thrusted <laughs> right into the limelight so quickly. It's only episode four. She only just died. But no, let's, let's shove all these people into these weird places that they're not even emotionally in just to get them lined up with Bray. I feel like we spent more time mourning Zoot. <laughs> like, I feel like more time and energy was given to Zoot and his death and what that meant than to the two mo- like two important castmates that we've just yeah. had. Mm. Well, you can tell that Ray's favorite character is Zoot in the entire series. <laughs> oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on that yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I heard it. I heard it in his interview. He said of all the characters, he's like, man, I wish I wish I could have done more with Zoot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I explained why like, bringing him back from the dead. He regretted so much killing Zoot off so early. But um, <laughs> we'll come to that later. <laughs> Ryan? Oh, hey. You okay? Yeah. Would you mind if I spent the night with you tonight? Here. I just don't feel like being on my own. Very busy then. Okay, talking about like the sledgehammer pieces being put into place for Bray, let's talk about that scene with Celine and Ryan. Because Celine decides that she wants to spend the night with Ryan and he makes this absolutely fantastic remark about, oh, is Bray busy then? <laughs> absolutely love it wow but the simple question panel is like do you think this was unfair of him or do you think Celine is just settling when we all know she really wants Bray it wasn't unfair on Ryan's part really Mm -hmm. I don't think it it was unfair I mean come on he's just seen his girlfriend crying in the arms of another guy he has no clue that this was just about Amber and yeah, he, yeah, he makes assumptions, but come on, this is Ryan we're talking about. He's always felt second best to everyone. Mm. So it makes sense that he'd assume he'd rather be with someone else. Well, it makes sense. You've just proven why it's not a fair thing for him to say to her. He's making assumptions about a very innocent moment. Mm-hmm. He didn't know that Celine and uh, Bray were only crying about Amber. So him... Mm-hmm saying this to her is unfair because he's making an unfair assumption about a moment that he spotted you just proved that you just said that you know what i mean it's understandable why he made it but it's not fair that he made it i I think it's just something that slipped out for ryan though oh again i'm not I, i agree with you that i understand why ryan would make that assumption but it's not fair for him to make it celine hasn't done anything to be be treated that way from him 
All she did was comfort a friend. Mm -hmm. And again, if your partner makes assumptions about you like that, it's not fair unless you've done something to deserve it, you know? And at this point, I don't think Celine's still into Bray. Even if in a subconscious level, she's still attracted to him. I don't think consciously Celine is thinking, I still like Bray, but I'm going to settle for Ryan because he's easy. I don't think that's what's going through her mind. So it's mm -hmm. not fair of Ryan to throw that in her face. But I understand his insecurities and his jealousy. Yeah, I agree. I don't mm -hmm. think I don't think Celine's into Bray at this given time as well. I think it's only when Bray is officially with someone that she feels like, oh, I want him. But um, yeah, completely, completely unfair of, of Ryan to, to to say that. Although. Yeah, I mean, I can understand it, and I'm sure he would want, he wanted to be the person, uh, he wanted to be the shoulder that Celine would cry on, rather than Bray, knowing that their history together. And I think that's mostly it, he's just hurt because she took her feelings to someone else and she didn't come to him while she was feeling hurt. Which is understandable, but accusing your your partner of, you know, pining for someone else or even insinuating that they want someone else just because you feel bad that they didn't come to you isn't cool. I'd be like, excuse me, what did you just say to me? I'm not allowed to talk to other people. Are, is this the game we're going to play? I'm the insecure person in this relationship. You're not allowed to be. That's my role. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just thinking that's what someone would say. <laughs> I'm really trying to be fair. I'm really trying to not think about what's going to happen yeah yeah Come on i just can't believe that celine doesn't still feel something for bray at this point I, mm -hmm. I, i'm trying really hard to forget the future but it's hard i can't believe that she yeah. doesn't lance it's hard because her rediscovery of lust for bray feels like it came out of nowhere you know what i mean so i understand but I guess I under I believe that she's not into him right now because I've been slain, you guys. I've been her, unfortunately. I have gone through the process of believing I wasn't into somebody and then just out of the blue, feelings for that person just barking up and I wasn't prepared for it. And it just completely reshaped my world and I torched everything. <laughs> so I do know it's possible to... For Celine to not feel anything for Bray right now, to be very happy with Ryan and to believe wholeheartedly he is the one for her. And then one day for those doubts to creep up and Bray comes back into her periphery. People go through this all the time. They, they run into, you know, they're happily married. They're in their lives. They're doing their thing. And then they meet someone like their old high school sweetheart. And all of a sudden they start catching feels and questioning everything about their lives. And they're ready to throw it all away. Because they have a sudden crush again on someone from their past. And they're just like, I got to chase these feelings. They must be real or they would have gone away and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it ain't fun. It ain't cool. But it happens. <laughs> let's follow what you just said. Because, like, um, okay, let's push, push Bray out of the picture for a moment. Do you think that Celine really is into Ryan or is, or is she settling? I think she's settling for the safe haven. It's like, I can't say that Celine's settling. It's almost like not realizing that somebody was your rebound until after the relationship. And then you realize, oh my gosh, they were just a soft place to land. I didn't intend to use them that way, but it mm -hmm. turns out that's what they were for me. I, I didn't go into the relationship thinking, oh, you'll be my emotional support animal to get me through this rough time I'm going through. 
you know, I think it's very possible to genuinely care about someone when you're going through a very vulnerable time in your life, to love them, for that person to fill the hole in your life, and for that relationship to end. And only then do you realize, oh my gosh, you were a rebound. I'm so sorry. I didn't, I did not know that when I went into the relationship. I think Ryan is both. You know what I mean? Like I think Celine genuinely falls for Ryan, but I also feel like he's kind of a rebound for her. Like just an emotional crutch, you know? I don't ever believe she intends to use him that way, but I do think he ends up being that for her. Yeah. I'm not saying it's her intention or that she's doing it, you know, knowingly, but yeah, he, he's been the guy who was there when no one else was. He saved her from her and he's been there and he's the guy willing to play family with her. Mm. You know, her, Chloe, Patsy. She can see them being a little family of their own, which is something she's craving. She wants that stability. Why wouldn't you fancy yourself in love with that person who's giving you exactly what you need right yeah. now? You know, of course you're going to think you're in love with them. But this person's perfect for me. Not to mention, Celine's 15 years old. You know, you fall in and out mm -hmm. of love real easy and real fast. You spark flies for two months. And then two months later, you're just like, oh my gosh, everything about this person irritates me. You know, I don't know what happened. I don't know where the spark went. I guess I just don't love them anymore. You know, and. So I don't I don't think that she wants Bray right now. I don't think she's using Bray, uh, Ryan right now. But I do think Ryan ends up being, you know, her rebound. The person who just carried her through a lot of stuff until she didn't need him to anymore. So I think uh, back in season one, when Ryan and Trudy went through a lot of traumatic things together, I think it is very natural for two human beings to want to be together and find a relationship uh romantic companionship with each other through those circumstances mm -hmm. and i don't think uh ryan is a rebound until a certain phase in this season because uh, i do think they they care for each other they want to be together but ryan's not a rebound until until celine makes that conscious uh discovery and how she feels about bray later on that's fair. That's absolutely fair. That's when he becomes a conscious rebound for her. Right. When when mm -hmm. she saw his when she saw him shirtless in his room, that's <laughs> when it became clear. <laughs> oh, oh, man. man doesn't look like that. He deserves. <laughs> oh. But I think at this point in time, what Celine feels for Ryan is genuine and pure, and um. She, of course she's in love with this guy who is just wonderful and is everything she wants in a partner and i'm sorry that ryan ryan is insecure but it's not fair of him to just assume that something's going on between she and bray at this point in time and i, I don't think she's settling not right now i think people put that idea in her head and she starts to question herself mm -hmm. But at this time, I do not think she's settling. I think she is happily cho choosing Ryan, actively choosing him. I agree. But I mean, it's really, it's a difficult like circumstance, like survival circumstances in which you p pick partners are not the same yeah. as the average circumstances mm -hmm. where you pick a partner. Like if these guys were in high school, it'd be very different how they'd go about picking each other and why and how easily they might end a relationship. Mm -hmm. But this is the end of the world where... 
picking someone to be with you is much, there's the stakes are so much higher, you know, and you're not going to try and end it over something petty or because you don't like the same football team. You know what I mean? You're, it's, it, that's hard. Like in judging these kids and they're making these decisions isn't really unfair for us <laughs> sitting comfortably at our computers. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I just personally don't think Selena's settling for Ryan right now. I think what she feels for him is real. Um, can we all agree that all this relationship drama is because of Bray? Because <laughs> I'm trying to make a point. If we can all agree on that, then I think everyone can agree that the safe relationship path would have been with Dal. I don't think these women are giving him the chance that they should. They're not even looking at him. You really relate to Dal, don't you? I do. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) That was me. He's like, come on, ladies, just look at me. But but don't forget, these girls are older. So? These girls are (laughs) older than Dallas at this point in time. I'm not going to lie that Dal deserved more play, but I also understand why a bunch of 14-year-old girls don't see Dal and realize. And the same way there are plenty of people who don't see what Ryan has to offer. You know, It's not I mean? his age. I promise you it's not his age. I it's his height. Say, That's I why. I said the girl's <laughs> his age. I didn't say that his age is wrong. Just that girls at that age would easily overlook someone like Dal. I get that. They overlook him because of his height. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> no, because they overlook Jack as well. Well, and he's taller than him. Well, they stopped overlooking Jack because he had a... I don't know what happened to him. Because like he fell into like a, a beauty pond or something. But yeah, it's massive growth spurt. <laughs> <laughs> there are plenty of females in the tribe who also get overlooked, who we all agree are freaking superstars. And it's like, why weren't you trying to mac with this girl? She's amazing. Like who? Like Alice. Hello. Alice. Alice had a relationship, though, so she doesn't count. Oh, I mean... <sighs> When we're young, what we're looking for in relationships is not the same as what we look for as adults. And so we, as adults, can look at these kids and be like, you should have hooked up with this person, should have hooked up with that person, because we recognize what a partner should actually be. But we wouldn't have made those decisions when we were 14 and 15 years old. We were a lot dumber about what we wanted out of a partner. And that's why Dal gets overlooked. If he was six feet, he wouldn't. I'm sticking with that. The girls are looking for boys that are older than them. The boys that are younger than them are just deemed little kids in their heads. Okay. Or at least not suitable mates. I'm denying that Dal would have more play if he was a couple feet taller and a little more chiseled and grown into his looks. He definitely would have got more play at that point. Mm -hmm. But he isn't. So, of course, kids his age are not looking for that. They don't don't appreciate his assets as is. Dal is a, he's a grower, not a shower. What does that mean? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move <laughs> on. I mean, let's, let's still stick with the subject of love because let's finish off by talking about that late night scene with Lex and Ebony. So we have a shirtless, sweaty Lex um, being accosted by Ebony as she tries to seduce him. But Lex turns her down. Um... So, like, simple question, panel. Like, were you surprised that Ebony makes this play at this time, especially about what happens just a minute before? Um, and are you surprised that he refused her? I'm not surprised that he refused her because right now Ebony isn't one in power. Tyson is. So, yeah, if he wants to have any chance being with the lady who's in charge, got to say no to Ebony. And as for Ebony, for her 
Lex is the closest thing she has to an ally, and she wants to make sure he stays that way. Mm-hmm. And she'll use anything she can to do that. Really good points, Sabine, that I hadn't considered. I wasn't shocked at Ebony because as smart as she is, she doesn't always like she doesn't pace herself with her plans. She doesn't always consider her timing. She makes foolish mistakes like this all the time. And she's just gonna poke whatever or pull in any string that's available to her at any given she's just trying to take get her advantage. I wasn't surprised at her. I won't lie. I was initially surprised that Lex turned her down mm-hmm. because I wasn't exactly sure where Lex was right now. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, okay, him turning her down lets me know where Lex's head still is. He still knows he can't really trust her. He doesn't want to be emotionally intimate with her, even if he's willing to ally with her over this antidote. But he's not going to let her into his heart. But the idea that Lex is thinking, I don't want to ally myself with her because she doesn't actually have the true power is an interesting insight that I hadn't considered. Yeah, I think, um, honestly, I just thought Lex was not emotionally ready for it you know i think if they would have hooked up i don't think lex would have i don't know i don't think he would have performed uh, uh to, to put it that way i don't think he's emotionally ready ready for it and even earlier in this episode we saw uh lex make a play at Ty San. i don't think it was like sexual or anything i think he just wanted to get in her really good <laughs> graces because she she has the power it's always sexual with lex it's always <laughs> yeah not always. Always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't think... That's why we call it Sexy Lexi. Yeah, oh, well, that is very true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't think he was uh, emotionally ready at that given time. Because we, we're definitely going to see him, you know, be be a horn dog later, later on. But just not tonight. For my bet, I would say when it came to Ebony... Maybe Lex is ready for emotional intimacy, or at least he wants physical intimacy, you know, because he feels lonely. He doesn't have his cheerleader Mm -hmm. there, but he certainly doesn't trust Ebony to be that. He knows that she's full of spikes and he's just like, she's hot, but it's, it's got teeth. I don't want to mess with that. Um, He knows that her intentions are never good. He, again, Lex is good at, it takes one to know one. So, um, he knows that his intentions aren't usually good. He can read that in Ebony. So he's like, I'm not taking that step with her because it would be very dangerous for me. And she will screw me over at the first opportunity if I let myself get emotionally close to her. Tyson, on the other hand, I think is proof that he is physically ready to be with someone. Again, he doesn't want to be alone, you know, and Lex doesn't equate physical intimacy to emotional intimacy. But I also think he trusts Tyson. Like she's got the power. I could get close to her, but she also won't screw me over um, Mm -hmm. the way Ebony would. So I think it's both, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, Like, I can see why Lex would hedge his bets with Tyson and not Ebony. Am I the only one that feels like all the wrong things are happening? Or all the, how could I say this? All this should be happening to Bray. I feel like that's what the audience wants to see. I feel like Ebony should have made a pass at Bray. She tried. She tried, yeah. and she realized, oh, oh he. Um, when they first got back to the mall, she walks in and she's just like, "You're still missing mm-hmm. her, aren't you?" And I could be a friend, you and blah blah blah. And Bray's just mm-hmm. like, "Ebony, get out of oh, here!" Yeah. And she's like, "Don't cross me." But she realized he was not receptive, so that's why she. Oh, mm-hmm. she's circling him right now. She's just circling <laughs> him, waiting until he. And then, of course, it doesn't help that Danny's there. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Dan- 
I, sh- I strike yeah. one against Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever come between Ebony and Bray. She's shown she's got bad timing. For Pete's sake, she made a play on like the same day they buried Zandra. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. How could she think that was good timing? You know, she makes a play yeah. on Bray the day after they return to the mall. <laughs> I'm not surprised at Ebony's timing. You know, the first one with Lex on the day that Sandra died, I was just, I kept wondering if she was trying to make a play at Lex because Bray had been out of her reach and she just wanted to spite him. But yeah, now it's it just feels... Like she wants him, indeed, as you called it, to be her puppet. Yeah, whoever whoever Ebony can control, she'll take that as an ally any day of the week. And it helps if they're good looking. Yeah, it helps if they have a six pack. <laughs> she doesn't rest. Ebony, aren't you exhausted? Take a nap. Give it a couple days before you try again to seduce one of these guys. I'm tired for you, yeah. honey. Yeah, well, her, her locos weren't much to look at, so this is an improvement. <laughs> Surprised she hasn't made it past that Dale yet. <laughs> you know what we want. Give us the antidote and we'll leave. I don't know what you're talking about, Spike. Don't screw with me, Lex Man. I'm telling you. No, don't. I'm on the way out anyway. I don't mind who I take with me. After being turned away the previous day, Spike returns and breaks into the mall with the rest of the locos, overpowering Patsy, Chloe, and Celine and hitting bob um so yeah first question panel how did you react to that i wanted to kill him everybody knows first rule you don't hurt the dog yeah if you want to be redeemable in a movie you can't hurt the dog that was shocking <laughs> wow. and then poor bob staying out of it for so oh, long man. poor little baby it's so weird because you know i mean not like bob was going to do anything so he might as well stay down <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean i do not condone hurting animals especially especially dogs but you would think bob this was bob's number one chance in the entire series to do something to actually do something he didn't even warn them that they were being attacked i love that bob did what bob would do the minute his his, his humans were in danger his first instinct was to attack that danger i hope spike takes mm-hmm. a spike to the head I'm not sorry he's dead. He never redeems himself for hurting my Bob, so I'm glad he drowned in a pool. Um, I hope it was horrible for him. <laughs> I hope he suffered greatly. <laughs> I, I clearly banished this moment from my mind because yeah. I always thought the spider thing was the worst thing Spike did in my mind, but this is worse. <laughs> the spider thing. Yeah, I would have lost my mind. Hurting Bob is such a big no-no. Especially when all he's trying to do is protect the girls. That's all he's trying to do is keep them safe, you know? And Izzy, I'm sure Bob was like, you want to play too? Carolyn, I'm not doing this with you. Carolyn, I'm not doing this with you. He is obviously protecting his humans. Yes, he is. He just attacked with what he had, and that's his teeth. Oh, you have a stick. I want to fetch too. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty wild. Although I do love the music. Whenever they play this music in a series, something epic is going to happen. Can we talk about Spike's makeup on his face? Yeah. <laughs> I know he's supposed to look like he has the virus. Why does he look like he has herpes instead? Uh, yep. Yeah, that's weird. What the heck were they thinking when they gave him a bunch of mouth sores? Yeah, because where are the wrinkles? It's weird because they did do the wrinkles with one of the other guys he has back in the base, but then mm-hmm. that guy just disappears. I don't, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> yeah. 
were they were they trying to make him still look fearsome and they were afraid if they made him look old he wouldn't mm. I'm like i would never guess that this kid had the virus by what you gave him on his face <laughs> he looks like the mouth of sauron i don't know what they were going for yeah yeah it looks like he spent a little bit too much time in the casino <laughs> 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 I mean, we're going to talk about this a lot, but um, Ebony's ability to control a crowd is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Gold star for her. Don't the Marats outnumber them? They do, but they don't want to get too close to people who have the virus. I hate... Well, what does it matter? <laughs> that doesn't matter anything anymore. In this situation, they have two of their tribe members in a very threatening and dangerous position. They're holding on to mm. both Celine. Um, oh, they got three of them, in fact. They don't want the girls to get hurt. Spike is making it very clear. I don't have anything to lose. Mm-hmm. What You know what I mean? Like, I, and Again, I think that's the whole point of him hitting Bob. It tells your audience of nine-year-olds mm-hmm. that, holy crap, Spike will do anything to anyone. Because usually yeah. animals are off limits. Mm-hmm. And if an animal is being hurt, then you know this person means business. So Spike is making it very clear. I will break her neck if you don't give me what I want. Mm -hmm. So it's not about them being able to outnumber these guys because they do. It's about the fact they've got three of their tribe members in very vulnerable positions with people who are like, we're dying anyway, so we don't care who we take with us. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to take that chance either. And it's not like the Malrats are big fighters anyway. They're not strategic when it comes to this. They try, but this isn't their forte. You know, and we'll see later they're not willing to take a fight where someone they care about might be hurt in it. Uh, so it, it's a good setup for Ebony to quell this and show what her power is. Because, again, this is all about power, mm-hmm. who has it and how they use it. And how do you designate power? The Marats can't handle these things. And here's Ebony. This is why she's necessary. This is why they keep her around. They have to set that up. Because at this point, mm-hmm. you're thinking, why is she still here? Now they have to show why the Mallrats can't just boot her out. They need her. She's necessary, you know? And it's what makes her so dangerous. Yes. Necessary power <laughs> is super dangerous, you know? It's like having a nuke mm-hmm. in your backpack, you know? It's, I might need this, but holy crap, it could kill me too, you know? And Right, right. Yeah. I'm just upset that... You know, I just properly want a fight scene in this series. <laughs> they keep teasing it to us. They keep teasing us how Ryan can destroy anybody he lays his eyes on. But You're just watching the wrong show, Colin. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think often they the reason they don't have the kids fight so much is the message they're trying to get to their audience. That this is not how conflicts ever get revolved, resolved. Because none of their conflicts ever do really get resolved through physical fighting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They, when they get into a physical fight, things aren't really resolved for them. Like they fought to get away from the tribal gathering, but they came away with nothing but their lives. They didn't resolve. They didn't achieve the goal they wanted to. Physical fights, wasn't, it didn't help them. When they fight uh, the tribe circus, they don't win. You know, it didn't actually solve anything. I, I think it might could have. I'm saying I think the point of the writers is they use physical fights sparingly and they always make sure that the fights don't ever really resolve the issue because that's not what they're trying to teach the audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I'm just, I'm giving Ooh, him no, I'm credit, but <laughs> I could be wrong. <laughs> it could have just, no, I think you're absolutely right there. But I, that's what I got from it. They don't want these, their audience of kids to think this is how you would achieve your goals going forth into the world with the themes of the show. You know, you've got to work with people. You got to talk to them. You got to compromise. Beating them up isn't getting you anywhere. That's, that's funny you say that because I feel like every conflict this series has ever, um, bestowed on us um all of that would have changed if people would have just fought back no most of them wouldn't you're right most of them wouldn't but that's the problem i think that's the problem and that's why certain um i guess storylines keep dragging on because people just wouldn't fight back yeah uh, i mean it's an interesting discussion going forward because obviously we know that obviously the chosen occupation and the technical occupation wouldn't have ended without a, a fight back like they couldn't be reasoned with mm-hmm. <laughs> they couldn't be like changed from what they were intending to do out a physical mm-hmm. fight but um uh, yeah that's, that's an interesting thought though <laughs> at least most of them show that violence isn't the first option absolutely yeah Def- definitely the writers were trying to show that absolutely believe that yeah when you have a kid's show where they do want to show that then like t- take power rangers every conflict is one with a fight we just so, fight together. Uh, Power Rangers. <laughs> you know, the message is we fight together. Unity, but fighting. A, a unity of fists. That's how we win, yeah. you know. And so they fight in mm-hmm. every episode. It's the same battle, you know. Um, obviously, that's just not what Ray wanted to do. Uh, I mean, and yeah, how did everyone think about the future of the show with Ebony suddenly having this militia of locos under her command in the mall? I was worried. I was ex- I was excited about what was going to happen. You guys are in trouble now. She's (laughs) she's doing exactly what she just told Lex she was going to do. She was waiting, waiting it out, and building up her power. Mm -hmm. You know, Ebony's got nothing. She doesn't really have any allies. She is dependent on the kindness of these loser mall rats. And if she ever wants to be on top again, she needs to take her time and build her forces. And I love how she gets to this place of having her own people in the mall because she's not wrong. She argues perfect logic. This was a problem the mall rats could not solve. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what to do. Fine, we'll give them the antidote and they'll go away. And she's like, and then we'll be right back where we started with pe- with no one to protect us. You know, Lex is already failing mm-hmm. at his one freaking job. You know <laughs> what I mean? What are you guys going to do? This isn't just the mall anymore. You decided to involve the whole city in our world. And you're not prepared for that. And so there's something incredibly terrifying about how smart Ebony is in recognizing this and having the skills that the mall rats absolutely need. And I'm just like, you guys are in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) You're not prepared for this. She is going to screw you so hard. Yeah. But again, it's I think it's this is the better situation for the Mall Rats because you rather have you would rather see Ebony with her her locos planning something in the comfort of your own home than somewhere else not knowing what they're doing. You know what is also kind of like it's a really nice illustration. If you're a kid and you're trying to understand why your country as you're starting to learn about like world politics or something and you're like, why are we allies with this country? And these are the terrible things they do in their country. Why would we have them for allies? And that's very hard to understand as a child. And then you find out, oh, it's because they have oil or something that we need. Mm -hmm. I think this illustrates really well how 
difficult it mm -hmm. is when you have these factions with different moral points of views, why they have to work with people they don't agree with, don't like, because this person is able to benefit you in a certain way and it's necessary for the well-being of your country or tribe or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And um, so I think it's really great the way Ebony is used. The Mallrats don't want to work with her. They don't like her, you know, and yet they have to work with her because she's bringing something very necessary to them. Because if Ebony hadn't done this, how long do you think she would have lasted before the Mallrats said, you, you need to leave. We don't like you. Mm -hmm. We gave you the antidote, now get out. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so this really paints a picture of, oh my gosh, now they need her, even though they don't like her. You know, uh, it's 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 just really clever, I think. I was thinking, Ebony was actually reminded of the fact that she's not a mole rat earlier in the same episode. Because as she commented about why was Danny having a say in things, he's not a part of this tribe. One of the kids points out, well, neither are you. Yeah, that was Chloe. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I think that for her was a reminder again that no, she isn't part of this tribe. But if she wants to stay with them, she's got to make sure they can't do anything without her. They need her. Mm -hmm. So she's establishing that. Yeah. Season one was an illustration of society on the small scale. And now we're on the world stage is what season two is. Our society has mm -hmm. left the comfort of our little mall where we only had 12 different factions and personalities trying to come together. Now we have an entire city. It's the game just got bigger. Yeah, agreed. More stakes. And that leads us to our final thoughts of the episode. So um, interspersed throughout, throughout the episode, we see that Alice doesn't leave the bedside of an ailing Ellie as she doesn't see any improvements and she begins to suspect that something isn't quite right. Donning wall paint at the farm, she then sets off for the mall. Um, Siapana, what do you make of these scenes and the final shot that we get of a mysterious intruder grabbing Lex by the throat? I was so happy to see Alice getting mad because just the way she is, it instantly said, okay guys, you're in for trouble. And oh, Ebony's voice might come in handy now. And yet here she is coming into the mall. We'd already established that if once these kids realized that what Lex and Casey gave them was an actual antidote, they were going to come back, mm -hmm. you know? So Alice was the perfect person to illustrate that. Like she's watching her sister looking for any improvement and Ellie's not getting better. And clearly there are people who took the real antidote who started improving immediately after getting it. And here's Ellie not. Mm -hmm. If anyone's going to be like, that's it, I'm going after these people for scamming me, it would be Alice. And it's a great way to get her back into the story. Yeah. And I was like, you guys deserve a wrath. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I don't really feel bad for what she might do to you. You know, I'm glad she went for Lex because, well, he had it coming. Her choice of Lex. Like, that meant she had to go upstairs to mm -hmm. find him specifically. Because that's where he still live. He's still living mm -hmm. in lingerie. Yeah. So she, she had to go upstairs mm -hmm. to find him. She didn't go to find the first person. Like, she was looking for Lex. <laughs> <laughs> and there he is, sleeping in the shirt he wore while he went off on his crusade to get better. That annoyed me, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. Why was he wearing that? The only thing still in his wardrobe? I don't know. It's comfortable. <laughs> One of the few shirts he didn't burn. <laughs> well, they chose white for him when he was sick so he would look vulnerable. So maybe they wanted him to look vulnerable here. Mm -hmm. I don't know. 
I was just wondering if he did, if he put it back on to make it seem to Tyson that he was repenting and in need of realigned chakras. I can buy into that. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it just meant nothing. We're <laughs> <laughs> like trying to give it meaning and there was none. <laughs> So much, so many reasons there could be meaning behind that shirt. Maybe it's a signal that Lex really hasn't gone full dark side. He's still struggling with who he is inside. But my brain is like, nah, it's just what the prop department gave him for the day. It's just what wardrobe said. Here, this is what you're sleeping now for whatever reason. Also curious to figure out how how Alice was able to like just completely stealth her way into the entire mall. <laughs> Because Bob was and still knocked out. And she tears up Ebony's neck, guys. Oh, my goodness. Like, in the next episode, we'll realize that they're all knocked out. That's why she was able oh, to Oh, yeah, that's Bob. right. That's right. Mm-hmm. You wonder if that's why they knocked Bob out? Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't have to deal with the whole, you know... Possibly. That, that might have very well be true. Because they, they wouldn't want to paint Alice as someone who would harm an animal. Mm-hmm. So she would have had to deal with Bob some way, but they don't want Bob to warn anybody she's there. So why not just knock Bob out of commission so that Alice can come in easier later? We're totally cool with her beating up guys. We wouldn't have been cool if she'd had to hurt Bob or something to get inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still say she would have said him. I do too. I don't think she would have hurt him. She just would have been like, good boy, good boy. Yeah, yeah things would have been different if Porky was there. <laughs> where is Porky? Like we know that Porky still exists, but where is he? Mm-hmm. You think Alice would have fed bacon to Porky? <laughs> 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 oh my goodness! Oh my god! I've been so cruel. <laughs> and just, just lastly, like, what, what did you make of that um, little scene of her donning the war paint? Do you think that was just to show that she isn't to be messed with? Or like, like, what did you kind of think about that? Someone messed with her sister. Yes, he is on the war path. They brought the warrior out of her. Yeah, she's going to war with whoever she has to mm-hmm. to find out like what's going on. You know, you're playing these games. You put my sister's life on the line. I don't care. It's, it's a visual that whatever it's going to take, Alice is about to do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So you're just thinking, oh my gosh, you guys, she's coming for you. That brings Series 2, Episode 4 to a close. Thank you very much to the panel. And if you'd like to take part in a future episode of Conversation League Mountain, then you can fill out the form over on our website, thetribe.co.uk, or send us a message over on our Facebook page. So we'll see you next time for Episode 5. Until then, bye. Bye. Oh, later. (laughs) Bye.